welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. This episode is sponsored by Benjamin Moore and Sherwin-Williams. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando and I am your host. Hey folks, um, you know, I'm just going to get right into, you know, there's there's no sense in putting off what feels like the inevitable when it comes to this show. There are a lot of folks talking about recession. That's what this show is about. You know, here's the deal. I look, my background is not in economics, but I try to surround myself with some really smart people. And so I'm bringing on my advisor to the show, Roger Lee. He's with a with a firm that's a registered investment uh, uh, advisors. And I'm and I'm bringing him on to really get to the bottom of this because I'm because I'm starting to see some stuff out there with some folks saying some things. And I'm like, hmm, do they really know what they're talking about? I look, I'm not I wouldn't say that I'm the biggest skeptic in the world, but there are times, I mean, I've just been through some stuff to where I'm like, you know what? There's gotta be, there's gotta be something below this. There's gotta be a question behind the question. There's gotta be a problem behind the problem here. This surface level stuff that we're seeing in headlines and, and the, 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 you know, the media blowhards and they're on both sides. Okay. They're on both sides of the, the, the political divide. It's hard to get down to the truth, and so I wanted to bring on somebody who who I believe uh, really knows what they're talking about. And so we're going to figure this out. And not only this, but we're going to come up with a plan to help uh, our listeners get through whatever is coming. Before we jump into this uh, conversation, I just want to remind you guys that this episode is available in video on PCA Overdrive, where you can get 500 plus hours of video content. It's $5.99 a month. For non-members, it's free with membership. Go to PCAPaintEd.org to download it or find it on the store. And um, this particular conversation, I think that uh, my, my book, I've, I've released the second version of my book, um, Sprint, where we talk a lot about, I talk a lot about team and cash flow. So a lot of you guys have new team members. You're trying to hide, hire new team because demand still is high. Um, and then there's this aspect of managing the cash cash flow is look there when I, when I think about finances and I talk to, you know, I talk to different contractors about this. Um, you always get into these groups where it's just like, Oh, how much revenue do you do? And it's like, they're telling you the top line. And that is never the full story. Top line revenue in my opinion, is one of the worst indicators of financial health. Um, and then you get some people who are just a little bit like, okay, yeah, I get it. You're doing two million, but you could be spending two and a half million to get it. Uh, but then there's a, so then the slightly savvier person says, well, what's your bottom line? What's your what's your profit? And here's the deal, folks. Uh, you can actually because of because of the way that money works and finances work. 
you can look at that financial statement and you can look at your profit and and think, man, there's a lot of profit there. But then when you look at your bank account, you're thinking, where is the profit? Where <laughs> I'm not it just still feels so tight. And so the, the third layer of understanding finances in my mind is understanding how cash flow works. And that's the flow of money. And it's the timing of it, the money coming in, the money going out and making sure that your cash flow, because the reality is that you could have great cash flow and not have a lot of profit and still be a very successful business. Look at Amazon for 20 years. They were they were uh, uh, they were in debt, no profit. Right. But. Their cash flow is great, and they've, they've become one of the strongest companies in, in the world. So there's there's a lot to understand about finances, and it's important that you bring people into your world who understand this, who can help you wrap your mind around it, because here's a reality. With finances in particular, in my opinion, finances are the one thing in business that is linked most to fear than any other aspect. You can have a hard time with finding employees. You can have a hard time with customers and, and customer service. You can have quality control issues. You can have, uh, you know, low sales. You could, you know, you get all these interpersonal problems. All that stuff could be going wrong. You're not usually afraid. Money, lack of money, lack of cash makes you afraid. Talk of recession makes you afraid because at the end of the day, you, you are thinking, how am I going to survive? Well, there's a way to survive. There's a way to think about this. And we're going to get into it. And I'm, I'm really excited to bring on uh, my advisor, Mr. Roger Lee, to the show. Hey, welcome to the show, Roger. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Torlando. Yeah. So, Roger, I, I wanted to bring you on because, um, you know, we've had conversations about this. I, uh, I, I trust your advice um, and, and you just know a lot about this stuff. Um, as you, as I have been talking to people, they're very afraid of, of a recession and there are a lot of, you know, news punditry and all that saying that, that it's coming, it's looming. Um, I'm even seeing people do videos where they're like, it's coming people. Here's the, you know, what's, what's the reality? What's the truth? Is there actually a, a recession coming or is, are we just afraid of a recession coming? So we do know that the economy will slow down. We don't know the extent of which it's going to slow down. Okay. And if you look at the term recession, recession does not mean depression. Recession mm -hmm. simply means two quarters where the GDP slows down. And it doesn't mean there's going to be crazy lines to buy bread. It doesn't mean everyone <laughs> is going to be homeless. It just yeah. means the economy is going to slow down. Um, can things slow down very aggressively and for a prolonged period? Yes, that's absolutely possible. Mm -hmm. But there's no, there's no certainty around how bad things can get or if this is going to be a soft, a soft landing. Mm. And so it's, it's, uh, I can say with certainty that things will slow down. And that's because Things were going, things were growing too aggressively for quite a while since the pandemic, right? So mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A, lot, a lot of this is being forced by the Federal Reserve, right? So Federal Reserve, their job is to moderate uh, inflation and yeah. maintain healthy labor markets, uh, keep employment at healthy levels. And 
right now we are we are seeing higher inflation than we've seen in a long long time yeah and they're they need to slow down the economy they're tasked with slowing down the economy to bring that inflation to a level that's healthier for the economy longer term yeah yeah so so there are a couple things that are kind of going through my mind that are you know just maybe maybe i need more clarity on because you know when i think about inflation that means that prices are are rising right that's a, a very easy definition um when i go online and i see all of the business coaches and consultants and and i and other contractors um what everybody says to each other raise your prices raise your prices raise so so the for the and this has been happening for the last 10 years everybody's saying raise your prices raise your prices um is if if all of the speaking the talking heads are saying to raise your prices um then then you know how much is the government you know to blame here like i you know i feel like I feel like we were just raising our prices. And so naturally everybody else is raising the prices. And this is what the coaches and, and consultants are saying across the board. Um, but but you're, what you're saying is that the inflation is going, it's, it's growing too rapidly. Exactly. So uh, I think in any business, um, you do want to maximize the value for your stake for their stakeholders right so mm -hmm. if you're the if you're the owner of the business it's in your best interest to get the highest price you can right so sure. without being predatory so if we think about um if you're if you're a, if you're a if you're starting out your business and you want to move upstream and you can get you can paint uh like nicer commercial properties versus mm -hmm. rental residential properties right then you're getting more price for the same unit of labor well probably mm -hmm. a comparable unit of labor so i think price increases are are natural are natural for every business but what we're seeing now is we're seeing very aggressive price raises across the board because mm -hmm. everyone needs to pass through the their their cost of inputs and mm -hmm. It, right now, we're not just seeing, if we just look at the paint industry, uh, I, don't, I don't know the particulars, but I know the largest component of, of your industry is probably labor. Yeah. Right. And it's labor is getting more and more, uh, like the supply labor is getting more and more constrained because a lot of your, a lot of your workers can probably find high paying jobs in other industries or even with competitors. Mm -hmm. So if we can it, we're seeing it within many many industries where uh it like just look at how many industries see workers go to amazon distribution centers right where right. all of a sudden they can make good money and so with with your industry it's uh it's not just price increases that are in that are just a healthy course of business everyone is increasing prices because the cost of labor is skyrocketing Mm -hmm. and you need to pass that through and at a certain point it becomes unsustainable right so yeah. if we if we year over year uh, in increase prices like if like nine ten percent a year for a few years then all of a sudden painting a room can be incredibly expensive and it's almost not worthwhile to the end, cons end, cu end customer they might defer their purchase decisions so mm -hmm. It might create an unhealthy environment, and 
it might be better for the paint industry longer term if we can moderate the pay, the pace of those price increases. Mm. So that, that's just my speculation. Um, mm-hmm, I don't have data mm-hmm. points to support that, but it's there's like a healthy level of price increases that's good for the business, good for everyone in the industry. And then yeah. there's the unhealthy uh, rate of price increases, which might cause demand destruction, might uh, might might cause there might be longer term implications that we're not considering. So mm-hmm. I think the, the bigger, the bigger point is uh, if we look across the board, it's not just the paint industry. Everyone is raising prices at a very, very rapid pace because mm-hmm. the, because the cost of inputs are rising very, just as fast. So. I yeah. I mean, question. yeah, for sure. I mean, are they, are they rising just yeah. as fast? Cause I mean, cause you yeah. do still have this, uh, there, there is still a lot of contention around this idea that, yeah. um, you know, that the minimum wage is still, you know, really low and that the cost mm-hmm. of living isn't increasing with the cost of, of wages. I mean, there's def- the wages are definitely going up, but is, you know, is it out, is it on pace with how, how fast prices are, are rising as well? It really depends on uh, geography. It depends on a lot of factors, right? It depends on um, how much, how much, uh, how much the what what household income levels we're talking about it depends on geography, because everyone has a different standard of living baseline, mm-hmm. and uh, and so if we take a step back, like you just mentioned with minimum wage, I uh, even if minimum wages haven't risen in a lot of geographies. I, I, I'd be shocked if if many people that are job seekers are earning minimum wage. So oh, yeah, you can't find yeah. people. <laughs> you can't work at McDonald's. You know, you can't hire somebody to work at McDonald's without paying them sixteen dollars an hour. Yep. So I think the market rate of labor right now has definitely, for most people, gone up faster than their cost of living. That's, mm. that's it, but it really depends. Uh, I'm sure there's, def- there's going to be different scenarios, but if you, if you look across the board, um, I think a lot of people now, depending on where they are uh, in life or, or, or industry are definitely making more than they have in the past. And that multiple probably exceeds their cost of living. And mm. at the same mm-hmm. time, they might have accommodated a higher standard of living Right. Like mm. they might be, they might have moved into a nicer place, bought a, bought a nicer car. But I see. if you look at, if you look at most people, um, there's a lot of stats out there, kind of like what people spend on like rent as a percentage of income. Mm. And I think in expensive geographies, it'll be like 30%. In lower cost geographies, it'd be like 20%. But in general, the cost of housing uh, should lag a little bit, right? Like most of mm-hmm. us will have a mortgage that hasn't changed. Many people, their rent resets once a year or mm-hmm. if, or maybe less than that. So I think the cost of uh, the market value of weight, the market value per unit of labor has probably gone up faster than the do- than the dollar outflow for your for your comparable cost of living. Mm-hmm. And that that's that really depends on a lot of factors. Like even if you look at how we track inflation, there's a lot of numbers that go into the consumer price index, right? Or like the producer yeah. price index. So really depends. But I think in general, a lot of people are are, are earning more now than they have in the past. And mm-hmm. that uh, that increase in the past year 
or two years is higher than the than how you would how you would index their comparable cost of living. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. so this is, I mean, this is crazy to me because you know these are good things, but they're causing a bad outcome. And so, the idea here, if the Fed is is instigating in a way a, a res- an economic slowdown um you know why what what is the motivation behind that why would they why would yeah. why would they do that so the if if um if we keep operating in, in an environment where uh, everyone is spending a lot of money mm-hmm. prices will keep going up across the board and if you look at a lot of, uh, I'm a pretty frugal guy personally. I drive a Subaru with 130,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. But if I look at a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends are complaining that it's taking a year to get the car they want. I have friends that were waitlisted mm-hmm. on a on a brand new Bronco, and if you look at the price of Broncos, they're insane right now. Like people are spending sixty thousand dollars for Ford Bronco, right? Right. <laughs> <And> yeah. So, <laughs> so we're at a we're definitely at a point where a lot of people are uh, spending a lot more than they used to, and mm-hmm. it's across the board, right? It's uh, yeah. like I, I think my friends that are that do very well, they're buying six figure watches, and then my I have a lot of peers that are spending in excess of $50,000 on a car pretty normally. Right. And right. we're, de- we're definitely in a, we're definitely in a, in we, or we have been recently in a mode where people are spending excessively. And mm. even if you look at like the NFT market, that's a little controversial, but I mean, sure. I have some, I have some friends that when, when I want to hear about what they spend or what they made on paper on NFTs, it's pretty, if it's, pretty shocked it's i it's i guess <laughs> just hearing right like and yeah going for a quarter million dollars right so right. i think we're definitely at a point where uh, the economy had a little too much froth the consumers mm. had a little bit too much money uh to, to spend and sentiment was very high so people were spending very freely and mm-hmm. it, it's at a point where uh, the economy can't sustain that level of uh, of of that appetite for for goods and services. Yeah, and it started to correct itself. Like in the past few months, I've, everyone's heard about Target, right? Like mentioning uh, there's been a pivot in the types of products that people want to buy. And if we take a step back, people think that uh, there's been a shift from more products to services. Like mm-hmm. people are still traveling a lot, like people, airlines are canceling flights and stuff, but there's still crazy demand, even with people thinking there's going to be a recession, right? Like everyone yeah. I know is talking about their summer travel plans. Right. So that's, uh, yeah, but there's, uh, there's, we're definitely at a point where the uh, demand is very hot for a lot of sectors, even after people have been talking about recession and Mm -hmm. the fed needs to, the fed wants to curb that to bring prices down or bring the rate of change of prices down to a point where it's a little more sustainable Mm -hmm. long-term. So it's more just slowing things down. Yeah. 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 So, um, so what what role does fear play in this? Because again, yeah. I you know when I'm when I'm you know I got my my ear to the ground and 
And, you know, there are painters that are like, oh, we're going to have to, you know, switch to, you know, doing government contracts and, and hospitals and, you know, all this. Uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've been telling folks with interior painting, U.S. households, one in three U.S. households had interior painting done last year. Um, if, if an economic slowdown happened and it curbed spending in half, that's still one in six houses getting interior painting done. Uh, <laughs> so like <laughs> how, how, what role does fear really play in this? And, and should we be watching out for it? Is it healthy? What, what do we need to know there? Yeah. So uh, I, whenever I think about fear, I think about a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like if everyone is afraid that we're going to go into like a depression, <laughs> then yeah. everyone might act, everyone might overreact and act irrationally and things can get really bad, really fast. And mm. if we like, if we look at a higher level, if everyone, if everyone suddenly decides, Hey, let's stop spending altogether, then mm -hmm. we might overshoot what the fed wanted. And we might actually induce a mark, a much uh, rougher landing than, than, than we needed to. And if we look more specific to your industry, if, uh, if every, if every uh, operator decides, Hey, this is, uh, this is the end. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's try to, let's try to shutter the business <laughs> to protect yeah. ourselves. Uh, let's try to get government contracts. Then all of a sudden, uh, you might have a situation where people might start um, bidding projects irrationally uh, and eroding prices to mm. a point where a lot of businesses are barely breaking even or unprofitable. Or oh, maybe yeah. where um, people start bidding government contracts at a, at a lower price point than the industry really needs to, where mm. everyone might irrationally undercut each other. And... There's no, there's yeah. no, there's no real floor if uh, if people are panic or in panic mode or hysteria, right. and with self fulfilling prophecy, we can really have this mass panic. And if a lot of your listeners are grabbing beers in each city and saying, "Yo, man, things are getting real bad," <laughs> let's yeah. uh, then on Monday one of them might. Bit under bit a project just to keep his crews working. And then they might start setting market rates that might be too low for the industry. Right. So mm -hmm. that's, that's on the extreme end, but we, if yeah. people act irrationally, that's usually a response to fear and contagion. Right. Got it. Got it. So oh, I think, I think yeah. uh, fear, fear is definitely a very dangerous thing. And mm -hmm. fear, the bottom line is you want to keep businesses rational, industries rational to the extent possible. And fear throws a wrench in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm certainly invested in our industry staying rational. <laughs> you know, um, I don't want to, I don't want to propagate uh, any fear around surrounding this, uh, this slowdown. Um, what do we need to do? Because, you know, it, just as much, you know, I'm a big fan of, uh, I bring up Parkinson's law all the time, which is, you know, the, the amount of you know, the amount of energy expands to the amount of capacity given for it. So if you basically, if you make more money, you end up spending more money. You know, if you have a, a, a 
plate of if you have a plate that's nine inches in diameter diameter you're going to fill it all nine inches but if you get a 12 inch plate you're going to fill it to 12 inches and then all of a sudden your your waistline is going to fill up your pants so <laughs> i feel like this happens with money all the time uh, my my suspicion is that there have been um you know a lot of uh, contractors out there who have been um, maybe a little bit more frugally frugally minded and they've been stashing away their nuts uh, but then there are probably others that are like, man, this demand has been crazy. Let's, you know, let's keep spending to grow. And they're not maybe on the most, uh, you know, financially stable footing. So in this moment that we're in, where we can, with a certain level of degree, predict that there will at least be a slowdown. By the way, I, a number that I keep close attention to is the, uh, the PMI, the manufacturing PMI. Um, which basically measures how much manufacturing is going, and it's uh, it it's on a um, it's on a scale. Maybe you can explain this better than I can. But basically, you look for the number of fifty percent, and if it's fifty percent, that means the economy is neutral; it's not growing or expanding. But if it's higher than fifty percent, that means the economy is expanding, and if it's lower, then it's contracting. For reference. June of 2020, I think it was June of 2020, the uh, PMI for manufacturing dipped to 42%. It shot back up and has been in the mid to high 50s. But the past couple months, it has been kind of going down a little bit. Um, it's at about I think it's about last month was maybe 53% is what I looked at. The reason that's important for us as as uh, paint contractors is because um, it deals with supply chain. And if if uh, if Sherwin Williams and Benjamin Moore are manufacturing paint um, and manufacturing more paint, then that means that we are painting more. <laughs> right. So so that number tends to affect the service sector, which is everything at that at that point. It's goods. And, and so what, uh, I, I'm sure you would love to comment on this. Uh, just just in general, um, I think the overall um, if, if we look at where things are right now, uh, I'm sure everyone's working and uh, I'm sure most of uh, you might see orders slowing down. You mm -hmm. might see, you might be booking business at a slower rate, but things are still healthy right now. And yeah. if you look at, if you look at PMI, a lot of that's uh, more snapshot right now, mm -hmm. uh, but things are still healthy, right? Like uh, the businesses are still booking business pain is still being applied right so mm -hmm, i think mm -hmm. i think it's um it's it's not uh it doesn't indicate like yes you're seeing the trajectory moderate but it doesn't really indicate that there's going to be hysteria and no orders in the future and right. it, it is showing to your point a, a very healthy level of activity given the concerns in the marketplace mm-hmm and, and one thing you've mentioned before the show, you were like, you know, part of this, you know, part of this, you know, for slowdown could just be to get supply chain to catch up. I mean, that's yep. that's that's part of it is just trying to trying to make everything work in balance. So so the, going back to the folks that, you know, they just realistically have been overspending and uh, like like many of us, which is why the inflation is there to begin with. Um, it's like, it's like, how is a problem caused by a good thing? That's, that's what's going through my mind. It's like, wow, like business is great. That's a problem, you know, <laughs> but so, so yeah. to those people who are, um, you know, spending a lot of extra money, 
Um, what do they need to do right now to, to sort of make sure that, you know, whether good or bad, that their company is going in the right direction, they're going to be safe, they're going to be prepared? So there's a lot of things you can do, but um, if, if you if you start from the top, um, you want to look at what uh, what business you've been booking recently, how long you're booked out. Right? You want to see what visibility you have on your business, right? You want to see uh, other if you're residential or like like if you're working with a builder, trying to see what's in their pipeline, see what's committed. If um, if you have big contracts, you want to see how long you're booked out, right? You you want to mm-hmm. see how much visibility you have, and uh, and with that, you want you also want to see um, like how how you might uh, index your pricing, right? You want to see if there's if there's ways you can pass through like uh, cost cost increases. But I think what's what's more important is um, where you don't have visibility. You want to figure out where things stand currently oh did that lose you oh yeah where where uh you want to you, you want to get a good snapshot of what your break even is with your business today right you want to see uh what are your fixed costs uh what are your variable costs like if um if the business slows down you might not have to do as much advertising facebook ads or whatever you're using and mm-hmm. but you want to figure out what's a break even point based on your fixed expenses yeah. And, and you also want to see, uh, if you do operate at a loss, um, where, if you do have to throttle back and lay people off, like what, what the different scenarios look like, but more importantly, yeah. you want to see in the, if, if things get really bad, uh, you want to see how long you can survive with those fixed costs. And you want to see what, what you are prepared to uh, to endure and yeah. how long you can endure it right so yeah it's really that just, makes a lot of sense it, yeah. i uh if i yeah if i could jump in here so um you know this is you you've called this just doing a stress test on your on your business yep. right yep. and uh the way that i've looked at it in the past is uh and i and i do talk about this in the book is putting your finances on a calendar and saying, okay, and, and like, and I, and I actually, I literally, Roger, I literally have a, a printed calendar right here that I, I do my personal finances on. And uh, it, because I want to see when the money is coming out and when the money is going out, when it's coming in, when it's going out. And, and so in a business, you want to take the, the money that you have in the bank, the contracts that you have, uh, you know, I sales velocity, I, I tend to take that with a grain of salt because, you know, anything could happen and all of a sudden the, the leads dry up. But I take a look at that and I think, OK, how long can the business go? What, what is the date on the calendar for when, like you said, my fixed expenses run out relative to the to the income that I have coming in and what's already in the bank? And that, that tells me so much, like uh, that's, that's kind of my doomsday clock. And (laughs) for a lot of businesses, it's like a month. I mean, like a lot of small businesses, especially it's like, it's not as long as you think it is, uh, because you're just, you're just running so tightly. Um, talk to me a little bit about how to, so once we know what our break even is, um, how do we lengthen that runway? 
what's what are the best ways to lengthen that runway yep so there's um we can look at it like you can we can look at uh offense and defense separately right like sure uh, uh on the offense we can try to figure out um are there ways even in a downturn where you can find ways to get business right like if there's other places if there's new sources of income you haven't considered mm-hmm. and then that that or like things where you might trade down in business, right? Like if you, yeah. if you're, if you're a very prestige contractor, you might start taking work that you would not have taken prior. Right. And then on, mm-hmm. on the, on the defensive side, you really want to see, uh, are there ways to, you can even like get even leaner or mm-hmm. are there ways you can find liquidity you haven't had? Right. Like, like a good example is, uh, I'm sure everyone's, uh, has a HELOC on their home <laughs> where in the end of days you can borrow against your home, right? Like sure. you want to figure out where there's a, where there's capital that you haven't tapped. If um, that's just, just like you'll see even bigger companies will always have like some revolver or like a credit facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You can try to figure out if there's ways you can monetize different assets you have to, to create liquidity. And yeah. so there's a, uh, but yeah, there's um it, it, I guess there's uh, a lot of different ways you can yeah, stretch for that sure. out. <laughs> well, what's coming to my mind just in terms of like offense versus defense, um, and, I, and I love that, um, you know, on the offensive side, I think there's a lot of like just unsqueezed juice. You know, you yep. think about, uh, you know, squeezing, squeezing the juice out of a lemon, um, you know, or eating the chicken off of a bone. There's still meat on those bones, you know? So like if your primary lead source, you know, if, if your primary lead source is well, a lot of people, it's word of mouth and, and repeat customers about, you know, I know for me, it was about half um, in my last company. And I have to ask, well, what, what was I actually doing to get that? And is there a way that I can get more? And a lot of it just has to do with just reaching out to your customers. Am I doing that? You know, am I, am I even doing that on a regular basis? Um, am I am I squeezing the juice from the past customer list? Um, if you're if you're looking at Google ads or Facebook ads, am I squeezing the juice from the sources? Am I really out there pounding the pavement and going door to door? Because, again, one in three households did painting last year. If there's a if there's any kind of recession, um, I can't imagine it reducing business by half. But even if it did. That's one in six households. Um, if you are not going door to door and every sixth house getting an estimate, you know, like you can squeeze, like it's just squeeze the juice. That's the offensive play is just squeeze the juice. Um, and and that after after all that is done, that's when I'm thinking, okay, let's let's look at alternative instead of always trying to upsell. Maybe I'm trying to downsell. Which is which is something that people don't really think of all the time. I mean, not a, not a lot of people talk about downselling, but I do it all the time. We'll go into a house. I'll create a, a huge list of, uh, of of rooms to be painted. I actually did it today. And 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 what I you know what I've done, what I started recently doing, and this I thought was kind of clever. Um, I can't claim total credit, but I but I but it's just like oh, this is a little epiphany. Um, I stopped totaling the job. And I just left the line item so that the customer would actually pull out their phone and start doing the math on their phone. And what happens is they just stop doing the math once they hit their budget. And then they say, okay, let's do these and let's not do the rest. 
So actually downselling and and only doing part of the project so that you're fitting in. I don't have to adjust my prices at all to do that. The customer is deciding how much scope they want to do. Um, so so there in terms of offense, even before you start thinking about, um, OK, I've been doing million, you know, million dollar homes. Now let's do six hundred thousand dollar homes <laughs> even before then just just keep just work like you can't just uh be order taking like that's what salespeople are doing right now they're doing order taking and there's m the vast majority of contractors that i know do inbound marketing inbound sales only there's not really a lot of outbound action happening and a lot of other an industries understand outbound way better than paint contractors do but outbound is still effective and so I'm, that's what I'm looking at from the, from the offensive side of things. Um, with, with the defensive side of things, um, you talked about fixed and variable costs. And this is, this is another kind of high horse that I get on is in a service-based business, um, fixed costs are uh, death. I, I, <laughs> I do not like fixed costs. I try to get out of fixed costs at any 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 season, no matter how good we're doing, how bad we're doing, I'm trying to avoid fixed costs. Can you tell me a little bit about why why I'm thinking that? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the, every every fixed cost you have is uh, is a hurdle. It, it's an incremental hurdle that you have to, yeah. that you have to jump. It's over. a weight. Like, it's a weight exactly. that you're carrying. Yeah. <laughs> so if uh, if if you minimize your fixed costs, if you can if you can cut your subscriptions, if you can get, if you can cut all the fees you have to pay, if you don't have to rent a huge warehouse, then you can survive uh, much more severe conditions. And on yeah. the other side of it, if, uh, if it doesn't really add much uh, operating leverage to your business, uh, it, it also means you'll have, uh, you'll have a lot more profitability for every dollar you bring in. So oh, totally. I, I think, it's definitely a, it's just a function of you want your you want your fixed costs as low as possible, just like you want your if you look at your monthly expenses, you're going to try to get you're, you're going to try to get your uh, you want to try to get your 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 personal costs down as much as possible. So you have the most discretion with your income. That's right. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And then, you know, and, and so then it comes to the variable costs, which I think are interesting, you know, like, because sometimes a variable cost is a very positive thing because it's an indicator of, of growth, uh, usually, right? I mean, the more paint that you're buying at the paint store, um, the, the more painting you're doing, right? Um, but if your cost per unit is going up, you know, relative to the, you know, if, if the cost of the what you're spending is going up, but the units aren't going up, yeah. then that's you know, that's where we're getting the, the inflation piece, right? And that's mm -hmm. where that becomes problematic. But as long as the units of your variable spending are going up and the revenue is following, then that's not really a bad thing. And so when I'm, when I'm talking to vendors or I'm I, uh, identifying people to go with, uh, what I'm looking for primarily are uh, a one-time cost. Like, can, can, is this, can this be a one-time fee? Um, or is it something that I can turn, I can dial up or dial back down according to how I'm doing. And, uh, and I try to avoid as much as possible. I can't always, because there's certain tools that you need that, you know, especially software where they're just like, nope, that's the way we do it. It's just a, it's just a subscription. Um, there's certain things that you just have to pay month over month. Uh, but I really, really try to dial those down and, and try to negotiate deals where 
it's it's a it's attached to the season that I'm in. And if I'm doing more, then I'm paying more. And if I'm doing less, I'm I'm paying less. Um, even from a marketing perspective, I try to avoid getting into any deals with people that you know require a, a, a long contract. Uh, you know, I, I, the, the types of marketing efforts that I, that I prefer doing is you could dial it up, dial it down, Facebook ads, Google ads, I can dial it up, dial it down at any time. Um, you know, that's how I'm looking at my, my variable expenses versus my fixed expenses. And, uh, and I think that's really good defense. Now, the, the other defense here that I think we're going to come into, and this is where the correction comes, I think is there's going to be a point where we have people on our team who are getting paid more because they came in at a point where labor is really expensive. But in the if there's a slowdown and the market corrects itself, labor gets cheaper, but mm, how do you have that conversation with people where they're coming from? I mean, I, I hired a, a, a Gen Z kid who is making twice as much as I was making when I first started painting. Um, like literally twice as much as I'm making and as I was making back then, how does, how do we deal with that? That's, that's kind of my big concern is the, yeah. is the people and their expectation. Yep. So I think, um, if it's always hard to just look at one, uh, like if, if you just look at how much you're paying someone, it, it really doesn't take into account the quality of their work, the productivity they have. So I think it's it's more important to really um, take a take a step back and look at the value contribution to the enterprise, right? Like, mm -hmm. if uh, if you have someone that is what you think is inexperienced but and paid high, uh, are they are they great at are they great with the customers? Are they great with business development? Are they great with are, do they have do they just have great attention to detail? Are they much mm -hmm. more productive and I think in the in the in the event you do have to lay people off, it's really just figuring out who per unit of value for the for the enterprise mm. is is the most overpaid in that context, right? So it's mm. it's uh, like I, th I think especially in a service industry, uh, oftentimes like we we get too fixated on like actual dollar per hour or dollar yeah. per unit of labor and not quality or productivity, right? So. Mm -hmm. It's uh, if if in that in that scenario, you really want to have a good idea of who you think is overpaid for their contribution, mm. and then and then if things do start, uh, if things do really soften up, you should have those conversations as early as possible, so right. that it's not you want to minimize the the effect of like a rug pull where mm, mm -hmm. they might be able to find other other uh, other options if uh while while the economy might still be hotter right so i, I think that's an area it's really just more about uh figuring out who you think contributes the least per unit of compensation and then mm -hmm. with that and it, and then when you do uh when if if you do hit it, if you do have certainty that things will slow down then you just have conversations as early as possible. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's as amicable as possible. Yeah. yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. You know, um, that's, it's also really difficult to measure there. There was a thread recently on, uh, on the pain ed, uh, Facebook group where they were talking about the, um, 
uh, oh, what was the term that that they had used? Um, it was it was Jason Phillips, who's a, a pretty well known contractor in our spheres, um, and he was talking about the like the value, the the labor labor efficiency ratio. I think is what he said, is what it was called. Yeah, labor efficiency ratio, and uh, the idea being that just like you said, measuring the true value of that person against what they're earning. So the cost of their hour plus what they're able to produce in an hour. Um, that is very difficult to measure in painting um, because it changes on a day-to-day -day basis. The guy could show up to, to work and he's, you know, feeling, you know, hasn't had his coffee and he's moving slower. Um, you know, like there's just so, so many, uh, things that, that, uh, that are nuanced of that. And, and what I did to figure that out is, you know, like the way that you estimate jobs traditionally, there, there are a couple ways. One is just to say like, oh, this is how much we're charging per hour. And, and that's probably the least sophisticated way of doing it. It's probably the most secure way of doing it because, yep. you know, it's just, there's so much to new you know you could just lose your shirt if you're not careful but the customers hate it because they don't want to be an open bank and so you know just charging straight per hour is, is difficult um you know just to as a salesperson so then like the the contractors what what the vast majority of contractors do is they charge according to um production rates when i say the vast majority i mean the vast majority of of like smart contractors. <laughs> I think the vast majority of contractors do the WAG method, which just is a wild ass guess. You know, they just throw it a number and, <laughs> and that's it. But the ones that you're using production rates, it's kind of just a spin on dollar per hour because what they do is they, they say, okay, we're going to measure this room and then we're going to time our guys to figure out how, how many square feet they're producing and then we're going to divide that by the number of hours that it took. And that's our you know, square foot per hour. And then if we want somewhat arbitrarily, we want to charge $65 an hour or $75 an hour, then we just take that unit multiplied by the hour. I, st I still don't like that because to <laughs> me, it's like, well, who were you, who were you tracking the first time you took those production rates? You know, was it was it somebody who's skilled? Was it somebody who's new? Was it a, did you do an average of three? Like, how how did you determine this this uh, this rating? And I and I just said, well, that I don't think that that's accurate at all, and, and and it's not because I you know over the course of you know twelve years of my last company, um, for the life of me, I couldn't get people to produce, uh, you know, on time. It was sometimes they would produce very, very fast. And sometimes they'd be slow and there's just no rhyme or reason to it until I realized that each individual has a production capacity. And, and it was when, <laughs> it was when I did that, I said, okay, I got to figure out how to quantify their production in a way that isn't, you know, measuring out, having them measure out every single room and every single square foot or linear foot and, and so I, I developed a point system where all of the units of member, measure, measurement in a house are converted into a point value. And then now I just give a, like a, a goal according to their level of how many points. So an apprentice needs to produce seven points in a day. And a journeyman needs to produce 
uh, 10 and a craftsman needs to produce 13. And, and so now what I do is I say, okay, this is how much you are responsible for producing. We write it out on a checklist. It totals up. You got, if you're an apprentice, you got seven points that you have to produce today. If you're a journeyman, you got 10, your group is going to produce 17 and, and I charge per point. There's a dollar amount per point. That way my unit economics scale according to the, uh, to the level of the employee, rather than just saying, well, that, that task was supposed to take an, an average painter an hour. And it's like, well, great. I'm not an average painter. You know, I, I, I paint faster than the average painter or I paint, I'm new. So I paint slow, you know? So like I had to do that, um, in order to get a, a clear grasp of what is actually happening in my company. Um, and, and I don't know of anybody who's doing it like that. Um, but, <laughs> but that's what you have to do. Like you have to figure it out because otherwise you are not going to be able to schedule the revenue with any level of predict predictability. And if you can't do that, then you're going to get stuck. You're going to get to that end point and you're going to run out of runway and you're going to be in real trouble. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so last, last question regarding this, this stress test, um, what role, so, so if things get truly, you know, hysteric and people truly hit the panic button, which wouldn't surprise me in today's society because people are nuts, uh, especially on the internet. I mean, they really are. Uh, they could be totally reasonable person in real life and I could love them to death. And then they get on the internet and then they, they turn into complete morons. So if some, if stuff goes on that it's just like, okay, this as fast as inflation was, was rising, the, the economy's going, going back down. Uh, what's, what's, what do we really need to look, look at? Um, and, and my guess is that it has something to do with our personal finances. Yep. So I, I think this goes back to uh, what you start, like you started off this podcast with uh, talking about uh, cash flow. Yeah. And end of the day, like if things get really bad, you have to figure out what your cash flow situation looks like if there is no business or if right. there's a prolonged period where you really have to just live off of what you have or the credit you have access to. So I think it's really just uh, understanding like, where you where you can find liquidity right like it's mm -hmm. it, it's really just knowing i have money here i have money there uh i this is what i have to do right away these are the these are the these are the subscriptions that can cancel right away these are the these are the things that i can, I can throttle back right away but it's really just knowing how to downsize as quick as possible having a plan and then access accessing the liquidity where you have it right like if mm -hmm. if you don't already like get going to your local bank and getting a home equity line of credit on your house making sure that's ready and i think what's hard is uh, a lot of uh it really depends on industry but very few of us have lived through high inflation and very few of us have lived through a prolonged downturn Mm -hmm. And why it's important to mention here is in every, I'm 35, I think you're in your 30s. Like mm -hmm. If uh, every correction we've had in our lifetimes, it, it, it was short-lived because the Fed helped us out of it. Mm -hmm. Just like we saw in February, March 2020, Fed helped us out of it. In this situation, the Fed is actually inducing the slowdown. So it might be a little longer than previous uh, previous uh, previous slowdowns, like if you look at 2008 Great Financial Crisis, 
mm-hmm. was not that long lived, right? Like it started getting bad summer 2008, um, like early 2008, you saw some writing on the walls, uh, but mm-hmm. by March of 2009, it floored and then things just took off, right? Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't like a long period of pain. And yeah. in this scenario, if it does get bad and the Fed doesn't want to help us, it you might need liquidity for longer than previous slowdowns. Mm. And why that's important is you want to know personally, not just at the company level, but personally, if, uh, if you have the means to meet your monthly debt service, meet your monthly payments, if you, if you have children, their costs are, can, be, can, be, can, can, can really add up, right? So it's yeah. really understanding your personal finances and really understanding your, your company's finances. And really just, I think everyone that's listening to your podcast probably already has, this, has a good idea and mm-hmm. is uh, financially savvy, but it's really just knowing it's kind of like we, t- we talked about this uh, just casually if, uh, last week. It's the, we, we all love the, uh, the, the Mike Tyson quote, right? Yeah, right. Everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. And it's like I joked around. I joke around with a lot of people about this, but this is easily the most anticipated recession in, uh, I don't know, in, in a long time where people keep talking about it before it happens. Like people, yeah. the same people that talk about it are the same people that, are still booking their summer travel plans and spending mm-hmm. money on 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 discretionary things, right? So it's it's. I think this is a good time to plan because it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt to plan, and yeah. you can definitely make plans for that rainy day. So, but yeah, I think um, there's a. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do, but it's really just knowing like, like, like you have your calendar <laughs> knowing <Yeah. laughs> even you could take it a step further and look at that calendar and be like, okay, what can I cut even further from here? Right. So it's, right. uh, it's really just having that plan in place and knowing, okay, if, if things get really gnarly, <laughs> yeah. uh, what's, what's my, what's my worst case scenario. But I, I like, I, I like personally, I don't, I don't have a lot of, uh, personal debt. I have debt on some investment on investments, but like personal, personal, I think my monthly is $3,000 ish. And so it's, it's, yeah. it's nothing that I can deal with it for a long time. Like it's not a, it right. wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a scenario that I'd be worried about because I might, to your point, my fixed expenses are quite low. Right. So like, I don't have a thousand dollar car payment, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so yeah. I think, but, but it's really just getting 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 down like what what's what's the worst case scenario right oh that's brilliant that's brilliant roger uh thank you so much for your time you can catch roger on on linkedin uh and uh if you have any questions um thank you so much for being on the show roger thank you for having me Torlando. all right there we have it roger lee investment advisor. Uh, I, I look, this is something that I learned, uh, several years ago. Uh, it is so profoundly helpful in your business life to establish a team of advisors that are outside of your company, your business, people who can just invest a very small amount of time who have expertise in something very specific so that you can go to and have a conversation and it needs to be mutually beneficial, uh, but where you are able to pick their brain 
and uh, and get some good advice on certain things. I will tell you that my art degree did not prepare me for the finances of, of running a business. And, and I and I paid for that. And I imagine that there are a lot of you who did not, uh, you know, go to, to school for accounting and finance and you're learning things the hard way. Uh, there are people around you who can help you and you got to bring them in. Um, what a great show. What a great show. I'll tell you the last thing that I'll say about about this recession stuff. Don't play into the hysteria. OK, there are going to be a lot of people out there who are trying to make a buck off of your fear. OK, don't play into it. Do make create sound. Just make sound financial decisions. The things that we talked about. OK, know what your runway is. Put it on a calendar. OK, so you have a clear picture of when you're going to run out of cash and how long you can go. Start cutting those fixed expenses in both personal and your business lives. Like they're just really there's really never a bad time to do that. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to start living in a bunker. You know, you don't have to stop. Uh, you know, you don't have to make your kids uh, wear clothes that are two sizes too small. That's hysteria. OK, but being a, just a little more frugal will go a long way. And then when you build that runway up, you won't be afraid. It will be a great opportunity. And I know that there are going to be a lot of people in this in this industry who are going to be ready to join forces. And that's another thing, because they're going to be people who are unprepared. You know, I know some of you are are religious folks. I'm, you know, uh, yeah, I go to church. Uh, but what I think about is that parable of the of the ten virgins. Ten were foolish, or five were foolish, five were wise. The ones that were prepared had no reason to fear. The ones who were foolish, they were afraid. Which one are you? That's my question. Thank you for listening to Paynet. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.